What could you do if your data was working for you and not against you? With Bloomberg delivering enterprise data directly to your systems, you get easy access to the details you want, optimized for higher level analysis, and financial data experts committed to helping you maximize your every move. Our data is made for more, so you can show the world what you're made of. Visit Bloomberg.com slash enterprise data to learn more. Live from the Trump Kim Summit in Hanoi. With divided government, what are the political realities? The president is increasingly frustrated. I want to try to cut through the noise. Politically, this is devastating. Sound on with Kevin Cirilli. The insiders, the influencers, the insights. It is no secret that I care a lot about the consumers. There are real questions about big tech. We still have more leverage to use with the tariffs. I think we could do with a little less drama from the White House. This is Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg Radio. Good evening, Washington and America. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Bloomberg News Chief Washington Correspondent. I'm broadcasting live from Hanoi, Vietnam, atop of the roof of the O'Classy, oh, I'm sorry, the O'Gallery Classy Hotel overlooking downtown Hanoi. We've been uh, having special coverage all week here in Vietnam with our reporters as we've covered the second summit that has now concluded and not the way that President Trump had hoped with North Korea leader Kim Jong-un. No deal. But it really depends on why and who to believe. And we're going to unpack all of it today. We've got Mike Shepard, Bloomberg News Washington Managing Editor. He's in our Washington Bureau. We also have Olivia Enos on the telephone line. She is policy analyst for Asian Studies Center uh, and the Davis Institute for National Security and Foreign Policy at the Heritage Foundation. Coming up, A.B. Stoddard will join us, as will Senator Ben Cardin, a Democrat from Maryland and a member of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee. But Mike Shepard, Bloomberg News Washington Man Managing Editor, let me begin with you, because the events of the past 24 hours have been quite remarkable. President Trump saying at a press conference at the JW Marriott, with accompanied by Secretary of State Mike Pompeo, that he had to end the meeting early with Kim Jong-un, because according to President Trump, the North Koreans demanded that all sanctions be lifted against North Korea in exchange for denuclearizing. Flash forward a couple of hours later when we get last-minute word that the North Koreans' foreign minister and the deputy foreign minister, they were going to have a little press conference of their own while President Trump was aboard Air Force One en route back to the States. I go to the Melia Hotel with a couple of other, I would say two dozen or so other international reporters, and we're in this small conference room, and all of a sudden the North Koreans come out. Uh, Foreign Minister Rhee, and, and they say, hey, wait a minute. They gave a much different account, Mike Shepard, than what President Trump said, and they said they only wanted a little bit of the sanctions removed. So what gives? Well, Kevin, I think uh, we are going to see in the coming days exactly what gives and who gave 
And uh, we're going to be hearing two very different versions of events. And it, not to make your head spin any longer, I know it's early in the morning there in Hanoi. <laughs> I don't even know what time have, it is anymore, Mike. <laughs> but we do have uh, a headline out from uh, the North Korean uh, State News Agency saying that Kim Jong-un has vowed to meet again with President Donald Trump. And this comes just hours after hearing from some of his top diplomats that well, maybe uh, the uh, the leader of North Korea has lost the will to meet President Trump and to carry out a uh, a deal. So it sounds like North Korea itself is trying to come to terms with what happened. The summit didn't end in a fashion that either side really envisioned. Donald Trump really thought that they might be able to pull off some sort of deal or a meaningful interim step toward a long-term deal to rid the Korean Peninsula and especially the uh, government Pyongyang of nuclear weapons. Uh, instead, uh, the meeting ended early. It was uh, called yeah. off two hours early. Uh, they canceled a lunch that the two leaders were supposed to have. Um, and in short, President and Donald the joint Trump signing agreement. I mean, that's what was that was supposed to be one of the policy uh, angles of this. But we, we were going to get to see some type of, you know, the rumor was a declaration, a formal declaration of the ending of the Korean War. Mike Shepard is Bloomberg News Washington managing editor. He's with me for the hour. I want to play now what President Trump had to say at that press conference here in Hanoi before he uh, departed back to Washington. Here's President Trump. You have to be prepared to walk. And, uh, you know, we, there was a potential we could have signed something today. I could have 100% signed something today. We actually had papers ready to be signed, but it just wasn't appropriate. I want to do it right. That was President Trump speaking earlier at a press conference at the JW Marriott uh, in Hanoi, Vietnam, explaining why he decided not to ultimately have a deal. He was facing scrutiny uh, in the policy world, in the nuclear policy world, uh, about maybe giving too soon or giving too much or, or, you know, not defining denuclearization. So it was interesting to hear in about the 90 minutes after that press conference, Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer, a Democrat from New York, take to the Senate floor and to say that President Trump made the right call in walking away and not just doing a photo op. Olivia Enyos is uh, a, uh, a she is a policy analyst for Asian Studies Center at the Davis Institute for National Security and Foreign Policy at the Heritage Foundation. She's here in Vietnam and she joins us on the telephone. Olivia, what do you make of the the various geopolitical back and forth from President Trump and Kim Jong Un? You know, if it is in fact true that Kim Jong Un was making a request for full removal of sanctions in exchange for incomplete denuclearization, this would have been an entirely untenable deal. And I think that it was very wise for the president to walk away from something like this. I think, frankly, any president over the last several generations would have walked away from this because there's a recognition that not only are we dealing in diplomacy, but we're also dealing in the law. And U.S. sanctions law and U.N. sanctions requirements actually call for complete, verifiable, irreversible dismantlement of North Korea's nuclear program. And frankly, it's even more complex than that. U.S. and U.N. sanctions law also require North Korea to make improvements on human rights-related issues, um, on money laundering right. issues. North Korea is designated a state sponsor of terror. There are all of these different facets that make it so that you're never 
going to see a full removal of U.S. U.N. sanctions if North Korea only denuclearizes. Olivia Enyos is at the Heritage Foundation. She's been here in Hanoi all week. Mike Shepard is Bloomberg News Washington Managing Editor. Mike, I got to be candid here. I mean, it was quite remarkable and unpredictable, really, truly, to have Kim Jong-un's top brass have a press conference. I mean, that was not what anyone was anticipating. And just the contrast between all of the organization, I mean, you know, I'll be blunt, we were critical of the administration in the media, uh, myself included, for not being as organized here in Hanoi as they were in Singapore eight months ago during that first summit. But you can't even compare the structure surrounding the White House and that press conference that was thrown together by the North Koreans. I mean, we were literally like sardines, like two dozen of us in, in the in the Malia hotel lobby as North Korean officials were like ushering us through, taking pictures of our press badges. Uh, it, it, it was truly interesting. Mike, I want to play for you a clip from the foreign minister, Rhee, uh, via translator, because the foreign minister spoke and then a translator uh, translated in English at this press conference that was like just after midnight local. Take a listen. What we proposed was not the removal of all sanctions, but their partial removal. So, Mike, I mean, who do you believe? Well, that's the great question, Kevin, as we said at the top. I think that this all traces back to how hastily the summit was put together and the fact that, you know, the president does like to do a lot of things on the fly. He is not afraid to walk away from a deal. His quote, maybe the quote of the summit was sometimes (laughs) you have to walk away. But they didn't put a lot of groundwork into this. There wasn't a lot of preparation by uh, the special envoy, Stephen Began, and even Secretary of State Michael Pompeo to have a deal that was ready and kind of locked in and pre-baked. We talked to a number of analysts and experts in this area who say that usually for a summit like this, the cake is not only baked, it has icing on it. And <laughs> it's, all decorated. To, it's decorated. It's <laughs> decorated. It's ready. And uh, But in this case, they were really putting it together, the two leaders with some of their top aides on the fly. And when it came down to it, they broke on issues that had been there for months and months and months. And it was that North Korea wanted much more in the way of sanctions relief than the U.S. really could provide, as uh, as Olivia noted earlier. Mike Shepard, Bloomberg News Washington Managing Editor, really putting into context for us here just how different this denuclearization summit uh, was. I mean, it, it almost felt like a like a camp i don't want to say a campaign rally but it almost felt like a political debate of sorts i mean it was not at all when i compare the trip that president trump took on his first international trip how structured that was how the international community had a rollout the essentially the red carpet even in in more progressive uh governments i mean there was it was so much more different than what we covered and, and our teams covered, uh, Mike, here uh, in the past uh, week. Uh, Senator Ben Cardin is going to join us coming up. He's a Democrat from Maryland and a member of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee. Also joining us later on in the show is A.B. Stoddard. She's associate editor and columnist at Real Clear Politics. Uh, Mike, you're going to stick with us to help guide us through all of this because 
President Trump has his work cut out for him now uh, with the domestic issues back home. I mean, this was also a week where uh, he had a vote against his border wall. Of course, Michael Cohen's testimony. A lot of questions sur surrounding and swirling the president uh, as he uh, – as he touches down back in Washington, D.C. Remember, folks, uh, download the Sound On podcast on Apple iTunes at Bloomberg.com or by downloading the Bloomberg Business app. Check us out on Radio.com and iHeartRadio. Coming up, we've got Senator Ben Cardin, Democrat from Maryland. I'm Kevin Cirilli. You're listening to Sound On. This is Bloomberg. I'm Doug Krisner at Bloomberg World Headquarters in New York at 17 past the hour. Let's get you caught up on uh, market action. After the bell, news from Tesla. The company is finally putting a standard version of the Model 3 sedan on the market. It'll cost a, about 35 grand, init at least initially. This is nearly three years after CEO Elon Musk began taking orders for the sedan. Now, the base Model 3 will have a range of about 220 miles, top speed of 130 miles per hour. Shares were uh, higher by 1.5% during the regular session. Stock has been halted in late U.S. trading. Tesla also saying it's going to shift worldwide sales to online only. Well, during the equity session, we were knocked around by a couple of concerns, chief among them the abrupt end to the U.S.-North Korea summit. We'll get back to that conversation in a moment. Overnight in Seoul, the Kospi was down about 1.8%. In terms of U.S.-China trade, we are told American officials are preparing a final agreement that Presidents Trump and Xi could sign within weeks. Uh, positive news on trade aside, overnight we had uh, disappointing PMI manufacturing data from China. In the U.S., the GDP report was above estimates. The American economy expanding at a 2.6% annualized rate in Q4. Gap is going to separate into two independent publicly traded companies. Old Navy will be spun off to a standalone unit yet to be named. As part of this restructuring, the uh, company's going to slash the store count for Gap by about 230 locations, and that those co closures will erase about $625 million in sales. Gap nearly 20% higher in late trading. At the end of the day, the Dow, the S&P, and the NASDAQ each lower by about three-tenths of 1%. Let's get back to Hanoi, Vietnam, and a special edition of Sound On with Kevin Cirilli. Welcome back. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Bloomberg News Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio, broadcasting from downtown Hanoi, Vietnam, atop of the O'Gallery Classy Hotel, overlooking the central lake here in central Hanoi, where uh, President Trump has already departed. But the events of the past week are, has been really remarkable, as the, the, the denuclearization deal between President Trump and uh, North Korea leader Kim Jong-un fell apart, but the the geopolitics on full display. We had a presser from President Trump accompanied by Secretary of State Pompeo. He was saying uh, that he said the North Koreans wanted all of their sanctions lifted in exchange for denuclearization. And then a couple of hours later, Kim Jong-un dispatched his top foreign minister and deputy foreign minister. And they had a very rare, smaller, haphazardly thrown together press conference of their own. Uh, and they told uh, members of the media, myself included, through a translator speaking in Korean, that 
they only wanted some of their sanctions lifted. They were giving this press conference while President Trump was just about to land back in Washington, D.C. Uh, we were talking earlier, and we will be continuing to talk with Mike Shepard. He is Bloomberg News Washington Managing Editor. But joining us now uh, on the telephone uh, is a very special guest, a friend of the program, Senator Ben Cardin. He's in Washington, D.C., a Democrat from Maryland, also a member of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee. Mr. Senator, thank you for joining us. Your take on the fallout from Hanoi. Well, Kevin, first, it's good to be with you. Uh, I don't think any of us are very surprised with the outcome. It's very disappointing. We've now had two summits between the President of the United States and Kim Jong-un. And yet we have yet to have a real commitment to denuclearize the Korean Peninsula, which was the purpose for the summit. The North Koreans have not given us a declaration of their nuclear program. When we take a look at what they were looking at doing, which was to stop enrichment at one facility, which has been well understood, there are still other undeclared facilities that are doing enrichment. In exchange for sanction relief, whether it's total sanction relief or partial sanction relief, that's not where we should be. We were not even in the right playing field. The playing field should have been a full declaration of North Korea of its nuclear programs, an opportunity for international inspection, and a game plan to ultimately eliminate their nuclear weapon program. Yeah. didn't even get to that. Senator, and, and, and the, the tone from both of the press conferences. When I, when I was at the JW Marriott in Hanoi and I, and I was listening to President Trump, he really went out of his way to, to say, look, this is a pause. There's no next step that's scheduled. But uh, Kim Jong-un said he's not going to continue with, with missile launches. Uh, and, and we're just almost taking a breather. I'm paraphrasing. Flash forward like a couple of hours later, just after midnight here, local time, and the North Koreans, they essentially said they believe that Kim Jong-un believes that the president might have missed his chance to get a deal. So are, are we safer as a result of the, the second summit here in Hanoi, or should Americans be worried? I don't believe we're safer. I think it's always good that leaders talk. So I think the fact that uh, President and Kim Jong-un now have a relationship, I think that's positive. But having said that, uh, North Korea is extremely dangerous. You have, uh, they have nuclear weapons. They're continuing to enrich. They have the worst human rights record of any country in the world. They do interfere in other countries. We have made virtually no progress in regards to any of those issues that uh, should concern us as to the uh, misuse of, of nuclear power. So I think that's still very much uh, a risk factor for not only the United yeah. States, but more particularly for the countries of that region. Senator Ben Cardin, a Democrat from Maryland, joining us, also a member of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee. You mentioned the horrific human rights abuses and, of course, Otto Warmbier. Uh, and I, I, myself and uh, actually Hallie Jackson of NBC, we were in the room uh, with the North Koreans. We asked them point blank uh, and they about their human rights abuse record. They totally dodged the question. I know you've got to run, Senator. We've got about less than a minute uh, uh, coming up for a commercial. So quickly, what's going on with this declaration of a national emergency? Senate's going to take up a, a bipartisan bill that just advanced out of the House. No, we've got less than a minute. Well, my expectation is we may very well pass that because the president clearly abused his powers under the emergency declaration. Whether we'll have the support to sustain a, a, a override of veto, I doubt. But uh, clearly, the president abused his power. I'm seeing. I'm glad to see some Republicans start and step forward and saying they're going to support the resolution. 
All right, Senator Ben Cardin, uh, thank you. We know you're busy. Uh, appreciate you coming on uh, the, the program. Remember, you can download the Sound On podcast on iTunes at Bloomberg.com or by downloading the Bloomberg Business app. You can also find us on Radio.com and on iHeartRadio. Mike Shepard is still with us from Bloomberg. A.B. Stoddard joins the program. I'm Kevin Cirilli in Hanoi. You're listening to Sound On. This is Bloomberg. Hi, I'm Ron Kraszewski, Chairman and CEO of Stiefel. Financial Advisors, if you're not growing your practice, you're losing market share. Stiefel is a growing, entrepreneurial, advisor-centric firm built for successful advisors like you. Imagine having the resources of the largest wirehouses and the support of the boutique shops, but none of the bureaucracy to get in the way of you serving your clients. At Stiefel, it's your business, your book, your clients. I always tell the advisors we're recruiting, I want you to come to Stiefel and double or triple your business. Most of them laugh and shake their heads, but I'm serious. Don't take it from me. Take it from Stiefel's number one finish in J.D. Power's 2023 U.S. Financial Advisor Satisfaction Study. So there's a reason why 148 financial advisors joined Stiefel last year. Come join us and find out why Stiefel is the firm where success meets success. Visit www.choosestifel.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. You're listening to Sound On with Kevin Cirilli, live from the Trump-Kim Nuclear Summit in Hanoi on Bloomberg Radio. Welcome back. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Bloomberg's Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio. I'm sitting atop of a rooftop hotel uh, hotel, uh, in downtown Hanoi, the O'Gallery Classy Hotel overlooking Lake uh, Huaning Kim. Uh, it's beautiful, folks, in, in central Hanoi. It's, uh, it's still pre-dawn. Uh, this lake has like this red illuminated footbridge. It's a historic, historic lake. Uh, the, the, the history of Vietnam, just in the last 50 years, I mean, it's, it's all over uh, the city. And, and thank you to all of the local uh, support staff uh, from the United States, as well as from the embassy here, uh, from the United States, as well as all the locals here who have truly made covering this uh, for our team and, and our colleagues truly a privilege. Uh, but it was not the outcome that President Trump had hoped for. The events of the last 24 hours, as we've been discussing with Senator Ben Cardin, who joined us in the last block on the Foreign Relations Committee, not what the United States from a policy standpoint envisioned, and definitely not what President Trump envisioned from a political standpoint as well. Uh, Mike Shepard, Bloomberg News Washington Managing Editor, he's holding down the fort in our Washington Bureau, along with my good pal A.B. Stoddard, Associate Editor and Columnist at Real Clear Politics. And First of all, uh, you know, I feel like you guys are having all the fun without me uh, back on the other side of the world. Thank you so much uh, for joining us, A.B. But, A.B., describe the moment now that President Trump wakes up or I guess is going to bed on because of the time difference in Washington, D.C., uh, given the events of the, the past 12 hours. Well, Kevin, the important thing is that he didn't lift the sanctions. And I think that um, I'm not the first person that you've spoken with today who um, understands just how relieved people who the Korea, you know, the, the Korea experts, um, mm-hmm. the policy experts, the intelligence officials who understood all along um, that in a 
in in the zeal to make a deal, uh, to change the subject, to not look like he failed, to make something of the second summit when the first summit was pretty much a joke. We got the remains. We hope they are the remains of our servicemen and women. Um, but that, but there was no denuclearization. Um, summits are a win for Kim. We know that. A second summit even more than the first. Um, he is no longer a pariah. Uh, so, so the idea of, of Trump com- cutting a bad deal was, was really, um, I think everyone assumed that there was a high probability of that. So I'm so relieved he didn't lift the sanctions. The experts are so relieved he didn't lift the sanctions. It was the right thing to do to walk away. Um, and... Um, you know, he doesn't uh, do protocol. He doesn't do processes. He doesn't do his homework. He goes from his gut and he goes, um, he doesn't plan ahead. And when yeah. the intelligence officials told him repeatedly, CIA Director Haspel, DNI Coates, everybody over and over again that this man was not going to denuclearize, I'm sure Mike Pompeo the Secretary of State tried to tell him. Um, he refused to deal with right. that. And you know these summits, Kevin, are always decided in advance. You don't go wing it. You work they were out winging and get it. the concessions. Right. And the thing is, the Koreans figured out a long time ago, the North Koreans, that they only wanted to deal with Trump. The, the North Korean staff wouldn't deal with our staff. And so yeah, it, that was a bad signal. You make so many uh, great points. A.B. Stoddard, associate editor and columnist at Real Clear Politics. I, I want to come back to the, the notion of the zeal to make a deal has a nice ring to it. Uh, but... But on the issue of the intelligence community, I mean, when I was at the JW Marriott watching President Trump accompanied by Secretary of State Mike Pompeo in the room at this press conference, he was asked point blank about the intelligence community's reports that the North Koreans were continuing to develop their nuclear ambitions even in the past eight months, even though they aren't missile testing, that they were still, according to Intel reports, bolstering their their credentials. And the president didn't definitively say one way or the other whether or not he believed those intel reports, but then in the next breath said that he confronted Kim Jong-un about additional nuclear sites in North Korea based upon U.S. intel. It was confusing. It was difficult to understand precisely which aspects of the intel world the president uh, was was agreeing with. The zeal to make a deal. I want to come back to that. And Mike Shepard, Bloomberg News, Washington Managing Editor, I want to get your take because Jonathan Carl of ABC uh, asked the president in the presser about something that is brewing back home, Michael Cohen, uh, and the president couldn't escape it, not even all the way around the world here in Hanoi. Take a listen to his response about Michael Cohen. Having it during this very important summit is sort of incredible. And he lied a lot, but it was very interesting because he didn't lie about one thing. He said, no collusion with the Russian hoax. Mike, you know, I mean, the, the reporting out of, out of our team in D.C. on this has just been impeccable. I mean, just the legal risk now, uh, potentially, that, uh, that the president uh, finds himself in. We've got less than two minutes until we have a hard break. But is the president right? Uh, was, did, did, did Michael Cohen say no collusion? Well, he didn't say no collusion. He said that he didn't see anything that looked like collusion. Um, But he also left open the question, well, I'm not sure. I think his his exact wording was something like, um, well, I have my suspicions. But he had nothing to back it up. But the things that uh, Michael Cohen said in the hearing that were damaging to the president had nothing to do with Russia. They had to do with 
the Trump Organization's finances, uh, specifically that Trump may have inflated or deflated the state of the company's books when seeking loans and insurance discounts and tax uh, and tax breaks uh, so that he would present a different picture of the company's health depending on who the uh, the counterparty was and that's that could be illegal and yeah. uh, you know that that's a very serious allegation there was another allegation of, of course and we're all aware of the um, uh, the hush money payment yeah. to uh, an adult film star that uh, Michael Cohen had made and that as president, uh, Cohen said that Trump personally repaid right. Cohen for that. And that was another explosive yeah. moment. Again, not connected to Russia. And we're going to get into all of that coming up. All-Star panel stays. They're having all the fun without me back in the Washington Bureau. Uh, Mike Shepard of Bloomberg News, Managing Editor, Washington Bureau. A.B. Stoddard of Real Clear Politics. Uh, I'm Kevin Cirilli in Hanoi, overlooking a pre-dawn Hanoi. Check us out on iTunes, Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business app, Radio.com, and iHeart. You're listening to Sound On, Kevin Cerulean Hanoi. This is Bloomberg. I'm Doug Krisner in New York, 45 past the hour now. Let's get you uh, caught up on this hour's top business stories and the markets. This update is brought to you by Witham, a forward-thinking, technology-driven advisory and accounting firm, helping clients to be in a position of strength in today's modern business landscape. You can visit Witham.com to learn more. Equities were knocked around by several concerns, not the least of which the abrupt end to the U.S.-North Korea summit. We'll be talking about that in greater detail on this special edition of Sound On with Kevin Cirilli. Now, in terms of U.S.-China trade, we're told American officials are preparing a final deal that Presidents Trump and Xi could sign in weeks. We also had some weak Chinese manufacturing PMI overnight, but maybe that was offset by the U.S. GDP report coming in above estimates. The American economy grew at a 2.6% annualized rate in Q4. In terms of the equity market, the Dow, the S&P, and the NASDAQ each weaker by about three-tenths of 1%. Tesla is finally putting a new standard version of the Model 3 sedan on the market. It'll begin at $35,000. This is nearly three years after the CEO, Elon Musk, began taking orders for the Model 3. The base model will have a range of 220 miles, top speed of 130 miles per hour. And Tesla also said it's going to be shifting worldwide sales online only. Stock remains halted in uh, late New York trading. Shares in Gap higher by about 20% in the late U.S. session. This on word the company is going to separate into two independent publicly traded companies. Old Navy will be spun off into a standalone unit yet to be named. U.S. 10-year Treasury last quoted in New York at a yield of 2.71%. WTI crude oil settling 57 22. That's markets. Let's get back to Hanoi, Vietnam, and a special edition of Sound On with Kevin Cirilli. Welcome back, folks. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Bloomberg's chief Washington correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio. I'm broadcasting live from Hanoi, Vietnam, uh, now the conclusion of the second summit between the U.S. and North Korea. Uh, no deal. Uh, no deal. And, and the reasons why? Well, it, it really depends which country 
you ask. President Trump said that the North Koreans were asking for a total lifting of sanctions. The North Koreans are saying no, they only wanted some in exchange, of course, for denuclearization. President Trump is back stateside. I'm still hanging out on the other side of the world, but also back stateside uh, is the indefatigable Mike Shepard. He is Bloomberg News, Washington's managing editor. I, I hear through the grapevine that Mike Shepard hasn't slept uh, a wink this week either, uh, like myself. And also uh, accompanying Mike in our in our uh, D.C. Bureau is a good friend of mine, uh, A.B. Stoddard, associate editor and columnist at Real Clear Politics, uh, and another indefatigable voice in Washington, D.C. Mike, I want to start with you because I, even just just in terms of how fast this news cycle moved this week, because we were discussing the developments of Michael Cohen. We're obviously talking about the denuclearization. But don't forget that it was like Fed Chair Powell was on the Hill this week. You had Bob Lighthizer, the U.S. Trade. In, Go Mike ahead. Pence. Yeah. Well, I was going to say Mike Pence. We started the week Monday with Mike Pence <laughs> in in Colombia to talk Venezuela with regional partners. The day before, or two days before, uh, Sunday and Saturday, uh, the U.S. and China were hashing out trade negotiations. And, Don't forget and about China Jared get, Kushner. And, and that, too. Jared Kushner's traveling abroad. A.B., I mean, it was an international week, no? What, what did you think went under the radar? Oh, my gosh. I mean, Kevin, first <laughs> of all, I wanted to remark earlier that um, I hope the listeners appreciate the fact that I know that you haven't slept and you're really remaining incredibly perky and I'm quite impressed. Um, there's so much that, I mean, there was some background check legislation that passed the House. It was bipartisan, uh, really remarkable event. Um, there's uh, a scoop out today as Jared Kushner is not only has met with uh, Mohammed bin Salman this week of Saudi Arabia, um, yeah, right. While um, while his father-in-law was meeting with another murderous dictator and saying that he wasn't involved with the um, the death of Otto Warmbier, um, but we uh, we have the Bibi Netanyahu news, amazing at mm -hmm. the same time, and then we have this late-breaking, literally, I think, as I got here, story about the fact that. Um, we have heard from John Kelly, I guess, but John Kelly, the general who was chief of staff at the White House, was so upset that he was forced by President Trump to provide a security clearance over his strenuous objections and those of other people um, involved, the experts involved, uh, providing security clearance to Jared Kushner. Um, and um, this has made it into uh, the New York Times this afternoon. So uh, a lot of focus um, here at home and on the world stage on um, Trump land. Blink and you'll miss it. A.B. Stoddard of Real Clear Politics, Mike Shepard of Bloomberg, holding down the fort for us back in D.C. I'm Kevin Cerilli here in Hanoi. Blink and you'll miss it, Mike. I mean, and, and you know, I, I will say this. You know, you guys know I'm, I'm not one. I'm a reporter. I'm not a pundit. I, I just want to report. It was surreal to be in a room no bigger than uh, a, a, a small hotel conference room. With their, I counted about 50 seats in this hotel, the Malia, it's called. Well, I watched uh, every minute of it on the uh, video feed back here. I could see you and I could see our other reporters in the room. It was tiny. It was very tight. I mean, it was tiny. Afar... And you don't expect, I mean, and, 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 and AB, and, and this is, I'll, I'll land the plane here, because, but AB mentioned Otto Warmbier, and that, he was an American college student who was imprisoned in North Korea in 2016 after being. Con uh, falsely wrongfully convicted and to just 
be in that room uh, with Hallie Jackson and as an American journalist, uh, you know, a, a member of the Bloomberg team uh, and uh, an American journalist, and to just see so brazenly them dodge questions on their human rights. I mean, Mike, it was it was something that I will not be able to forget. Well, human rights did come up a couple of times uh, when Kim Jong-un took some shouted questions from the wire pool. Mm-hmm. One of the questions was on human rights. He took the other questions. He did not touch the human rights question. And then when President Trump himself was asked about Otto Warmbier, he said that he takes Kim Jong-un at his word that, that he had no role in the torture of Warmbier. And that has drawn a lot of criticism here and concern that, you know, human rights are now taking a back seat in Trump's foreign policy. A.B., come in here. I might. I, mean, <laughs> I am not a reporter. I am a, uh, I'm a columnist and I express my opinion. Um, human rights has never been on the Trump agenda. Um, it's not going to the back seat. It has never, ever been on his national security and, and foreign policy agenda. He's made that very clear from day one. Um, but. It was still gratuitous and 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 extra uh, upsetting for the president who invited Otto Warmbier's parents to the State of the Union two years mm-hmm. ago, to when he called out um, the brutality of the North Korean regime. With them there, they've suffered so much, and the idea that, like his acceptance of the story of the death of uh, Jamal Khashoggi in Istanbul. Um, like the uh, denouncement of the um, findings of his own intelligence community about the attack on Russia in our election, he stood there and sided with um, somebody else over um, over our our shared values, our freedoms, our respect for human rights, and the fact that this kid was murdered. And so um, it, it, it was roundly rebuked uh, at the top of the morning I saw by Senator Rick Santorum, former senator. And there have been some interesting statements to come out, one from Nikki Haley. You know, they've come around to sort of stick up for uh, our values and our, our um, prioritization of human rights and the Warmbier family, uh, Senator Rob Portman, Nikki Haley, as I mentioned. But um, this was so upsetting today to so many people. Um, and it must have been something to, to, to hear it in person. A.B. Soddard of Real Clear Politics, uh, Mike Shepard of Bloomberg News, managing editor of our D.C. Bureau. I'm Kevin Cirilli, broadcasting uh, from Hanoi. Uh, it's pre-dawn here uh, in a country that has really just welcomed uh, the Washington press corps, the international press community as well, uh, and completely turned its relationship around uh, with, with the U.S., the history of this uh, country all over. Uh, you know, I was fortunate enough to be able to visit uh, where Senator, the late Senator John McCain was imprisoned. I mean, that in and of itself is, it's just been a remarkable, remarkable week. And so to hear it uh, from the North Koreans in that press conference and, and how that was organized and, and to, to just contrast that uh, with with what we saw from, from the White House, really a stark contrast, no matter which side of the aisle you come down on. Uh, okay, we've got about two minutes left, so help me keep it quick so I don't get in trouble for missing the break. But what do you have on your radar for the next uh, three days as we head into the Sunday shows, A.B.? 
Well, I'm really fascinated by the emergency declaration. And just this yep. is one of the worst jams that President Trump has put his party in to date after a um, debacle of a shutdown that they are still reeling from. They don't want to um, uphold this emergency declaration. And so you saw Lamar Alexander today, retiring senator from Tennessee, go to the floor to propose that he reconsider. <sighs> this is a very interesting sign to me, Kevin, about the defections he could be seeing if he doesn't find a way to wiggle out of it. It is true the 1976 law is so badly designed, the statute is so too broad that this might survive constitutional challenge in the Supreme yeah. Court. And therefore, conservatives told me on the House side they could vote with the president, shielded by the fact that the law is so inadequate and ineffective. So, yes, you could get through this by backing Trump. But as a party of small government and protectors of the Constitution, they're feeling a great bit of pain and they don't want to vote for it. All right. So that's we got 30 seconds left, Mike. What are you looking for? OK, well, what I am looking at is our scoop from earlier today. On, yes. Yeah. Uh, the U.S. trade officials preparing a final version of a deal with China. Uh, there's some trade hawks that were expressing con continued concern about proceeding with caution on this. But uh, the president has made clear he would like to get something done and sign something perhaps with Xi Jinping in a few weeks, uh, perhaps even at Mar-a-Lago. Um, he just wants been a, a deal. Push. Well, again, <laughs> and this goes back to uh, what we heard AB say before, the zeal for a deal and the, you know, this push to get something done. And um, will who will prevail in the rush to do it? And and actually, for China, are there any lessons in the experience mm -hmm. of North Korea just now? I like it. The zeal for a deal. Thank you to Mike Shepard, my colleague uh, and friend, and A.B. Stoddard as well. Uh, appreciate that uh, very much. You can download the Sound On podcast on iTunes at Bloomberg.com or the Bloomberg Business app or radio or iHeartRadio. I'm Kevin in Hanoi. You're listening to Sound On. This is Bloomberg. What could you do if your data was working for you and not against you? With Bloomberg delivering enterprise data directly to your systems, you get easy access to the details you want, optimized for higher level analysis, and financial data experts committed to helping you maximize your every move. Our data is made for more, so you can show the world what you're made of. Visit Bloomberg.com enterprise data to learn more.